many years, we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is in a glorious Tuesday morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get rolling. It's the 25th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2020. It's a glorious morning because we had a glorious evening on night one of the Republican National Committee's Republican National Convention and the renomination of Donald J. Trump for President of the United States. It was something to behold, and I am certain that you beheld at least some of it. We're going to share a lot of it, what you may have missed, maybe some of the stuff you already heard, but you probably should hear again. Also, in on the program today... It is Tuesday. That's normally Kersenow Day, but Peter Kersenow has other obligations to tend to. He will be joining us on Friday this week. And in his stead, I think you're going to like this. Yesterday during this program, we learned, breaking news, that Governor Mike DeWine, Ohio's overreactionary Governor Mike DeWine, he of the executive authority cutting out the legislative branch, the Ohio General Assembly, from having any say whatsoever in his decisions to shut down Ohio as a reaction to the Chinese coronavirus. Mike DeWine is now facing 10 articles of impeachment filed not by Democrats, but by Republicans in the Ohio House of Representatives. The sponsor of that uh, of that bill, or excuse me, of those articles of impeachment, is John Becker, District 65. He will join me at 1010. A co-sponsor of that bill is Nino Vitale, Ohio District 85. He will join Mr. Becker. So we will have Representatives Becker and Vitale live together at 1010 this morning to tell us why they have indeed filed these articles of impeachment, 10 of them against Governor Mike DeWine. And then we will talk about where it goes from here. So you're going to want to hear that start at the start of the next hour at 1010. We will talk to Becker and Vitale about their impeachment articles against Mike DeWine. But obviously we have to start, there's only one place to start. And that is with what I, you know, the contrast between the extraordinarily negative uh, Democratic National Convention and what we saw last night in day one, just night one of four of the Republican National Convention, I, I just think could not be more striking. The contrast is extraordinary. The President of the United States has a remarkable record upon which to run 
And last night, they trotted out so many diverse Republican voices and one Democrat voice. Not that that matters, you know, is the be-all, end-all, because obviously John Kasich is a Republican voice who spoke at the DNC. So, But Vernon Jones is representative of more than that. Not only is he, is, a, is he a Democrat, he is a black man. And when you look at the diversity of the people that came up last night to speak on behalf of the Republican vision and platform for this country, which is hopeful and aspirational, and if you listen to those who spoke about the President of the United States and what he means to them personally, you heard personal stories from the likes of Jim Jordan. You would expect that. But maybe you wouldn't from Vernon Jones, from football star Herschel Walker, from civil, law, lifetime Democrats and civil rights attorneys, Mark and Patricia McCloskey from St. Louis. You heard from Andrew Pollack, the father of Meadow Pollack, one of the victims in the Parkland shootings, who, is, who blames liberal Democrats for the laws and the rules that led to and will lead to more school shootings. Tim Scott, African-American senator from South Carolina, was simply spectacular. Nikki Haley who pointed out her Indian heritage and how she grew up, making her a person of color every bit as much as Kamala Harris, by the way. Uh, her story was simply spectacular. I mean, it was, it was something to behold last night. And you want to hear some great news? It was beheld last night by more people than the Democrats could ever hope to have had watching their first night of the DNC. Joe Concha explained this on Fox News. The ratings will be out later for day one, and I think ratings do mean something in terms of enthusiasm, people tuning in, they're curious about the message. On C-SPAN's live feed on their YouTube channel, night one of the DNC had 76,000 views. Night one of the RNC so far has 425 thousand views. That's five and a half times the number of views, right? So we saw Joe Biden's speech last week. 22 people, 22 million people did tune in, Steve, but that was 15 million less than the president's State of the Union address uh, earlier this year, pre-pandemic, when he could actually go out and 40 percent lower than Donald Trump's RNC address in 2016. So it appears that people are tuning in a lot more to the RNC than the DNC right now. And you have to wonder, does that translate to enthusiasm around the party? I would say it does, Steve. That was Joe Concha on Fox and Friends laying out some information that I had no earthly idea uh, to expect. I I would never have expected that at all. 76,000 views for night one of the DNC, 425,000. Now, that's just one C-SPAN YouTube channel, right? And you watch C-SPAN, you heard Hugh Hewitt talking about it this morning, because if you don't want to have commercial interruptions, you don't want to have hosts uh, breaking into the coverage to do little interviews, and they did that on Fox, which is where I watched it. Um, if you want to just see it fully, you know, C-SPAN is the way you do it. And 425,000 to 76,000, five and a half times the number of views. And if you want to go back to their home run night, which was Joe Biden on Thursday night giving his acceptance speech last Thursday, 22 million people watched him. That is 15 million fewer than watched the President's State of the Union address in February, again, which was pre-pandemic, as Joe uh, Concha pointed out, when everybody was able to leave their homes, unlike so many places that still are in uh, you know, shelter-at-home uh, orders uh, around this country. 
And then you have uh, the comparison to Donald Trump's RNC address in 2016, which would be really apples to apples, because he was uh, uh, not the incumbent. He was just a challenger, one of the two challengers for the presidency after Obama was term limited out. Um, Trump's RNC address, 40% higher than Joe Biden's DNC address this past Thursday. Yes, it, it does signal an enthusiasm gap. Yes, it does speak to the level of excitement and the hopefulness that Americans feel, particularly that Republicans feel about their candidate and their party and their platform compared to uh, what you see from the DNC, which is not exciting at all. And how could it be? How could it be? Hundreds of millions of people to choose from. And the Democrats, the best they could trot out there was a lying uh, a wannabe American Indian or Native American Elizabeth Warren, uh, an unknown and untested and unproven Pete Buttigieg, a, a complete, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here to describe Beto O'Rourke, a complete you know, blip on the radar. He's like, you know, kind of like a comet, just flew in, all fired up and excited, and then flew right out again. Kamala Harris, who was so unpopular with the DNC and the Democrat voters when she ran in the primaries, she finished with 2% of the vote and left on December 3rd. She didn't even make it to the year of the election. She was out December 3rd, 2019. Done. They hate me. I can't do this. Why should I keep running? They were left with a far-left socialist, left standing, the last two standing, socialist Bernie Sanders, by his own admission and definition, self-definition, and Joe Biden, who has run for president now three or four times and has never even sniffed anything close to the nomination until this year, when they literally ran out of people. Barack Obama, formerly Joe Biden's boss, refused to endorse Joe Biden until he was the only one left standing. I guess I got no choice now. Go, Joe. Yay. I mean, the Democrats, they have no excitement because they don't like Kamala Harris and they don't like Joe Biden. The only thing that unifies the American left and the Democrat Party is their hatred of Donald Trump. And so they try to demonize Donald Trump, and they try to put the problems that the country is facing right now, which, by the way, should be extraordinarily overshadowed by the extraordinary growth and accomplishments of the first three years of the Trump administration. But they try to blame everything that the country is facing now, particularly the response to the coronavirus pandemic, the Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus, the Kung flu, call it what you want, China's virus, which spread around the world as a, as a global pandemic. They try to blame that on Donald Trump, which is why I thought it was absolutely brilliant and, dare I say, absolutely necessary and crucial for the, D or the RNC last night to highlight so many Democrat voices that praised Donald Trump for his handling of the coronavirus before they realized they can't do that anymore. They have an election. They have to get rid of this guy. Listen to the opening montage about the Chinese coronavirus. Democrats downplaying the threat and Democrats praising Donald Trump for his leadership. From the very beginning, Democrats, the media, and the World Health Organization got coronavirus wrong. The World Health Organization said 
Authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission. Overall, most people should not be terribly concerned about it. Everything is fine here. We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. Come join us. We don't even think it's going to be as bad as it was in other countries. Go about your lives. Go about your business. One leader took decisive action to save lives. President Donald Trump banning travel from China and coronavirus epicenters. Biden charged xenophobia. But President Trump was right. Signing the CARES Act, providing immediate relief to American families, workers, and businesses. Declaring a national emergency. Tapping into $42 billion in existing emergency funding. Quickly getting crucial personal protective equipment to the states. Signing the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. Ensuring that American families and businesses impacted by the virus receive the strong support they need. Launching Operation Warp Speed to fast-track a vaccine in record time. He said everything that I could have hoped for. Promise made, promise kept. He is ready, willing, and able to help. He has been responsive. He's done a lot of good things. What the federal government did was a phenomenal accomplishment. In our hour of need, you all literally are helping us in a big way. We were at the edge, and this is life or death stuff, and we're forever thankful for that. Soon, we will emerge safer, stronger, and greater than ever. That was, without question, one of the most powerful little mini montages uh, from night one of the RNC. Some of the voices you heard there included the biggest, most prominent Democrats in America. Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, it's not bad at all. It's safe down here. Come to this in February. Come to Chinatown. Come and party with us. Some of the voices that you heard praising Donald Trump for his leadership include California Governor Gavin Newsom, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Over and over and over again, Democrats praised the federal response to the Chinese coronavirus. They did so in March and in April and in May. And it wasn't until we got into the summer they started saying, holy goodness gracious, we got to stop that. We've got to beat this guy. And so now they blame Trump for not responding to coronavirus. That was a fantastic montage, and I promise you it's going to carry a lot of weight with a lot of centrist or undecided American voters. That was brilliant. I'm going to share a lot more of the uh, RNC from you from night one, or for you from night one, and I invite you to uh, react to it at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. This is the Bob Branch Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. 925 now, the Bob France Authority. I want to share a little bit with you from the convention last night. It's very hard to, sh- to decide what to share with you. Uh, I want you to hear Tim Scott. I want you to hear Nikki Haley. I want you to hear um, uh, Jim Jordan. I want you to hear Charlie Kirk. I want you to hear um, the McCloskeys. But I, I, I still feel like my favorite speech last night, and I even uh, Facebooked about this because he was just on fire, I still think my favorite speech was the one from former Heisman Trophy winner, one of the greatest running backs in college football history, uh, a, a Pro Bowl running back in the National Football League, but more importantly, just a, a wonderful citizen and, uh, and person. Herschel Walker, 
gave one of the best addresses of the night. It was only three minutes long, and I just thought every single bit of it was, was brilliant, and I want you to hear it. I'm not an actor, a singer, or a politician. I'm Herschel Walker. Most of you know me as a football player, but I'm also a father, a man of faith, and a very good judge of character. I've known Donald Trump for 37 years, and I don't mean just casual ran into him from time to time. I'm talking about a deep personal friendship. I watched him as an owner of a professional football team. Right after he bought the team, he set out to learn. He learned about the history of the team, the players, the coaches, every detail. Then he used what he learned to make the team better. I watched him in the boardroom. He can be in the middle of a big meeting, but if one of the kids was on the phone, he dropped everything to take the call. He taught me that the family should be your top priority. I watched him treat janitors, security guards, and waiters the same way he would treat a VIP. He made them feel special because he knew they were. He understands that they are the people who make this country run. They clean, they cook, they build, they drive, they deliver. He told me, Herschel, make an effort to get to know people. Remember their names. That stuck with me. One time, I planned to take his kids to Disney World with my family. At the last minute, Donald said he'd like to join us. So there he was, in a business suit, on uh, It's a Small World Ride. That was something to see. It just shows you what a caring, loving father he is. It hurt my soul to hear the terrible names that people call Donald. The worst one is racist. I take it as a personal insult that people would think I've had a 37-year friendship with the racist. People who think that don't know what they're talking about. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Just because someone loves and respects the flag, our national anthem, and our country, doesn't mean they don't care about social justice. I care about all those things. So does Donald Trump. He shows how much he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions. And his actions speaks louder than stickers or slogans on a jersey. He keeps right on fighting to improve the lives of black Americans and all Americans. He worked night and day. He never stops. He leaves nothing on the field. Some people don't like his style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in the way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like when I ran over them either. But that's how you get the job done. I pray every night that God gives him more time. Give him four more years. He has accomplished so much almost all by himself on a constant attack. But there's still more work to be done. If you love America and want to make it better, Donald Trump is your president. He's my president. And I'm blessed to call him friend. Easily one of the very best moments of the night. I, I simply loved Herschel Walker's story. I love the image, by the way, of Donald Trump on the It's a Small World ride at Disney World. Um, I, it's just, you know, not, you know, personal stories like that aren't the reason you should vote for the leader of the free world. But it does pers- personalize someone who is viewed as being cold and careless and doesn't t- care about his fellow man. He only cares about his, you know, the big businesses and, and Wall Street and so on and so forth and all of the things that Donald Trump is accused of being or doing. So I just like that kind of story. But more importantly, Herschel Walker stood there and told America on night one of the DNs or the RNC, which was humongously watched, according to what we just heard from Joe Concha looking at the C-SPAN YouTube numbers. 
He stood there and told America that any characterization of Donald Trump as a racist is is garbage. A personal insult to him to think that he would be friends for 37 years with someone who was a racist or had racist tendencies. But to listen to Joe Biden tell the lies all last week and the rest of his cronies at the DNC, Donald Trump is a racist who supports white supremacy, who opposes social justice and racial justice and so on and so forth. I thought it was heartfelt. I thought it was sincere. And I think the sincerity, rather than just the, you know, uh, uh, the talk that you get from the Democrats, uh, I thought the sincerity just shined through last night from Herschel Walker and so many others who spoke on behalf of Donald Trump and uh, the Republican Party platform. Okay, that's just a little taste of it. I got more for you coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 936, we continue reacting to night one of the RNC. Uh, simply a spectacular lineup of speakers giving some spectacular performances. And like I said, I think the sincerity shown through the most. Um, I will say this. Um, and by the way, coming up at the top of the hour at 1010, we're going to shift our focus to Ohio politics and specifically to Ohio's impeachment of Governor Mike DeWine, or at least the planned impeachment by his fellow party members, Republican leaders in the Ohio House, including John Becker and Nino Vitale, who both will join me at 1010, have filed articles of impeachment against Mike DeWine. That's coming up in hour number two. But in hour number one, I feel like, like I said, the sincerity really shown through. There was a low light for me. And I will ask you, you don't have to you know, take my word for it, Tell me, in fact, your high and your low from night one of the RNC. I have a hard time between Tim Scott, Herschel Walker, Jim Jordan. Uh, the McCloskeys were great. Uh, Nikki Haley was great. I have a hard time picking my favorite speech. But I have an easy time picking my low light. Kimberly Guilfoyle just jumped up and down in stiletto heels on my last nerve as she shouted and shrieked and her very strange, odd delivery of her message yesterday to an empty auditorium. Maybe if it had been filled with screaming people, it would have been a little bit different, but it wasn't. And she should have adjusted for that. And Kimberly Guilfoyle uh, really just kind of uh, did not do it for me. That was easily the low light. But let's get back to some of the highlights. And you can tell me yours. 216-901-0945. Tim Scott, uh, South Carolina senator. And a lot of people really believe that four years from now, in 2024, he's going to be, be the guy accepting the nomination rather than supporting the incumbent nominee, Donald Trump. And Tim Scott last night, again, I thought was brilliant. Our family... Went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. And that's why I believe the next American century can be better than the last. There are millions of families just like mine all across this nation full of potential seeking to live the American dream. And I'm here tonight to tell you that supporting the Republican ticket gives you the best chance of making that dream a reality. He was that was uh, just a small portion of Tim Scott uh, talking about how his family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime, and that is some remarkable a remarkable achievement, especially in light of the fact that we supposedly live in a racist country. How could it be that somebody like Tim Scott and his family could rise from from the depths? of you know Jim Crow era and, of course, sharecropping and so on and so forth in his ancestry 
to Congress, to the United States Senate, in a country as wantonly racist as this one? Well, maybe the answer came correctly from Nikki Haley, who said, well, it's not. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. This is personal for me. I am the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. They came to America and settled in a small southern town. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. My mom built a successful business. My dad taught 30 years at a historically black college. And the people of South Carolina chose me as their first minority and first female governor. America is a story that's a work in progress. Now is the time to build on that progress and make America even freer, fairer, and better for everyone. That's why it's so tragic to see so much of the Democratic Party turning a blind eye towards riots and rage. The American people know we can do better. And of course we value and respect every black life. The black cops who've been shot in the line of duty, they matter. The black small business owners who've watched their life's work go up in flames, they matter. The black kids who've been gunned down on the playground, their lives matter too. And their lives are being ruined and stolen by the violence on our streets. It doesn't have to be like this. Powerful, powerful words from Nikki Haley. And I love the fact that she talked about her own Indian heritage. She is every bit a person of color, as Kamala Harris is, uh, and yet no one would, would dare think of referring to her in such a way. In the same way that Kamala Harris, by the way, described herself on her way into the United States Senate as an Indian American, now has to be an African American to fit Joe Biden's identity politics profile. But, but... Or I mean, uh, Nikki Haley is another. By the way, I find, I love this. I have no idea what's going to happen in four years, but I love the fact that Tim Scott is spoken of with such reverence that he could be the guy for the Republican Party in 2024, and it could also be Nikki Haley, an African American man, an Indian American woman, potentially leading the ticket next time around. That would be something spectacular. Nikki Haley had another uh, message for the American people, and that is a warning of what is to come if we make a mistake on November 3rd. A Biden-Harris administration would be much, much worse. Last time, Joe's boss was Obama. This time, it would be Pelosi, Sanders, and the squad. Their vision for America is socialism, and we know that socialism has failed everywhere. They want to tell Americans how to live and what to think. They want a government takeover of health care. They want to ban fracking and kill millions of jobs. They want massive tax hikes on working families. Joe Biden and the socialist left would be a disaster for our economy. But President Trump is leading a new era of opportunity. Again, a very, very sincere message. These aren't just talking points. 
you have to understand what it would feel like to look every Friday at your your paycheck or your uh, direct deposit and see how much smaller it is in a Joe Biden presidency because over 80% of Americans would see a tax increase. You have to ponder that. Think about what that means to you. It's very, very personal, and it should be to everybody. The idea that Joe Biden would be answering to the marching orders or marching to the orders of the squad, I call them the squids, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, Jihad Omar, Sharia Tlaib, and, uh, and Ayanna Presley. the idea that they would be the ones you know, issuing the marching orders and Joe Biden would dutifully march along because he can't win this without them is terrifying. Now, not all Democrats are terrifying, believe it or not. I want to give you a little bit of time here, or give a little bit of time, rather, to Vernon Jones, who is a Democrat, representative from Georgia, who spoke on the uh, first night last night and highlighted why he, despite being a Democrat, is proud to support Donald Trump. And it's because President Trump is the exact opposite of what the left has painted him and portrayed him as being. And that is somehow racist or bigoted or racially motivated in his decisions. Vernon Jones is an African-American Democrat. Hello, America. My name is Vernon Jones, and I'm a state representative from the great state of Georgia. As you can see, I'm a man of color, and I'm a lifelong Democrat, too. You may be wondering, why is a lifelong Democrat speaking at the Republican National Convention? And that's a fair question. And here's your answer. The Democratic Party does not want black people to leave their mental plantation. We've been forced to be there for decades and generations. But I have news for Joe Biden. We are free. We are free people with free minds. And I'm part of a large and growing segment of the black community who are independent thinkers. And we believe that Donald Trump is the president that America needs to lead us forward. That opening statement alone from Vernon Jones, Democrat from Georgia, is so powerful. He talked about the mental plantation that Democrats have tried and been successful at keeping so many African Americans chained to for so very long. It's so true. You just don't hear it often from people in positions of authority, especially black Democrats at a Republican National Convention. That is exactly the correct uh, uh, way to, to, to word that. It's a mental plantation that Democrats have kept black people chained to for so very long, and now they're starting to walk away. They're starting to engage in Blexit, black exit from the Democrat Party. Let's hear more from Vernon Jones. This is no time for sleeping in the basement. Joe Biden has had 47 years to produce results, but he's been all talk and no action, just like so many of the Democrats who've been making promises to the black voters for decades. We've been their captive audience. When President Trump sought to earn the black vote, the Democratic Party leaders went crazy. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer literally started wearing kente cloths around the, the, the U.S. Capitol. As if pandering were enough to keep us satisfied. Let me tell you why I'm supporting our president. I grew up in the South, in Laurel Hill, North Carolina, Scotland County, the Green Pond community to be exact. 
My parents, Robin and Rufa Jones, built with their own hands a four-room cinder-block home with no indoor plumbing. They had very limited education, but they instilled in us a strong work ethic that drove me from those tobacco fields of North Carolina to those hallowed halls of the Georgia General Assembly. My parents taught me if I believed in God, worked hard, and treated every person fairly, there was no limit to what we could achieve. I attended North Carolina Central University, an historical black college. For generations, HBCUs have been the incubators that develop black scholars in math and science and religion, engineering and politics. They have been important springboards for the black success. But Democrats haven't treated them that way. When President Trump took office, he changed everything. He delivered historic funding to HBCUs, and he guaranteed it for 10 years, something that has never happened in the history of this country. That gave our HBCUs stability, the chance to grow, and produce the next generation of black leaders. That's right, Donald Trump did that. He's also supported school choice to ensure that no child, no matter their race or zip code, is left behind. Every child should have access to a quality education. But education is just the beginning. The president also built the most inclusive economy ever with record low unemployment for African Americans and record high participation in the workforce. He put opportunity zones in the Trump tax bill that would drive investment into our communities for decades to come. He put the interests of American workers and especially black workers first. That's right, Donald Trump did that. He delivered historic criminal justice reform. He ended once and for all the policy of incarceration of black people, which has decimated our communities caused by no other than Joe Biden. Democrats wouldn't do it. Obama didn't want to do it. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris definitely wouldn't do it. But Donald Trump did it. He's also working every day to make our community safer. As a former executive of DeKalb County, Georgia, I directed one of the largest public safety departments in the Southeast. I've seen tragic shootings on both sides. Officers killing citizens and citizens killing officers in the line of duty. All right, I'm going to pause that there because I think you get the gist from Democrat Vernon Jones, a black man who laid out the case for President Trump with black voters better than anybody I think ever could. Now, some might say, well, what do you mean? All he's doing and all he's doing for Trump and all Trump is doing through him is pandering for black votes. No, no, no. Pandering for black votes is going and doing a sit-down interview with a filthy, disgusting, reprehensible, trashy human being like Cardi B for, for Vogue or Variety or some other magazine the way Joe Biden did. Trying to say, I'm hip-hop, I'm street, and I'm profane and vile and disgusting just like Cardi B. That's pandering for black votes. 
pandering for black votes is going on a radio program with an African-American host and telling him, man, if you don't like me or if you're not with me, you ain't black. That's pandering for black votes, playing on the worst of stereotypes, telling black people that they're not independent thinkers, telling black people, no, you've got to vote for me because I'm a Democrat, and that's what y'all do. Y'all think alike. That's pandering for black votes in the worst way. What Vernon Jones just did here for Donald Trump was to identify actions, not just sit-down interviews and ridiculous words. Actions with the historically black colleges and universities. Actions with the uh, 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 criminal reform and the jail reform, prison reform uh, uh, legislation he signed. Actions including the opportunity zones that he created. Actions that actually help improve the lives of African Americans. That's why they should vote for, for Donald Trump. Not because he sat down with some black entertainer or 10. That's not what it's about. Vernon Jones was spectacular last night. Among a night of spectacular speeches. All right, what was your high? Who's your favorite speaker? Tell me after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Radio.com. Bob France here on AM 1420, The Answer. Well, I'll tell you what, I really hope this music is prophetic. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm so excited by what I heard last night. I, I really wasn't sure what to expect after watching the boring DNC convention on virtual, you know, all of it virtual. But I thought this flowed so much better. I thought there was a lot more to it optically. I thought that the presentations were again sincere and spectacular. And uh, again, I think they are what they said they were going to be, and that is hopeful and forward thinking, pushing positive messages about what Donald Trump and his administration accomplished in the first three years, uh, plus. Of course, uh, the pandemic notwithstanding, but pushing all of the positive uh, and then talking about, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the opposite side and the dangers of a of an of a I almost said an Obama Biden, but a Biden Harris presidency. Uh, I really loved it. Let's see what you thought. James is calling from Lorain County on AM 1420. The answer. Hello, James. Go right ahead. Hello, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. James, are you there? Uh, appreciate- yes. Right, I can't hear uh, James. Yeah, James, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. I appreciate uh, all you're doing to uh, bring message of the Republican Party. And I, I think the highlight last night for me was Nikki Haley and objective truth that she brought to the podium. And the way she conveyed it was uh, with hope that, you know, as opposed to the Democratic convention, it just didn't, uh, didn't, didn't, resonate with me but uh okay i I like the idea of uh, a hopeful message from nikki haley and that she spoke well she spoke much like barack obama she's a very good speaker oh she is she she is a terrific speaker there's no doubt about that and she was a highlight for me too i have a hard time though picking her over anybody else and i say that because almost everybody else with the exception of kimberly guilfoyle who just jumped up and down on my on my nerves listening to her delivery (laughs) Uh, everybody else was spectacular. Yeah. I could I could say Nikki Haley did the best. I could say Herschel Walker. I could say Vernon Jones. I could say Jim Joy. I mean, so many of them were just really spectacular in their message, their hope, as you point out, their hopeful uh, well, uh, messaging. And um, uh, but yeah, Nikki Haley was spectacular. Hope is hope is the opposite of fear, and and I believe that last night's convention was a good start, and we're going to see more of that. We could use use some more humor 
But uh, I think on the network stations, what I was watching was they were picking up on at 10 o'clock when they cut in, and uh, they were trying to highlight Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. They're the only two that they really carried. And again, this morning, they only take, they only got uh, cuts of them. Right. I mean, I watch channel. I, I channel chase. <laughs> no, I, I I got you. Hey, James, I, I appreciate the call, my friend. Got to run. Uh, I'll say this. The humor that you're looking for um, probably isn't going to come from the Republicans. The humor comes from people like Nancy Pelosi, who actually said yesterday that Republicans and President Trump, rather, President Trump and Republicans who support him are enemies of the state, are enemies of the people. And I know the president has used that word to describe the press, the mainstream press that lies so much because they truly do a disservice to the people. But she literally said that the president and his supporters are enemies of the state. And that, to me, is something that I'm going to wear. That could be this year's deplorables, enemy of the state, if you are a Trump supporter. And uh, like I said, it's almost humorous to hear that coming from Nancy Pelosi. Let me get a time out now. It's top of the hour. And on the other side, we're going to turn away from the RNC for a little while and talk about Ohio politics. Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine, is under fire, not from his political opponents, but from his own party. That's right. Ohio Republicans have now uh, sponsored 10 articles of impeachment against Governor Mike DeWine, and we're going to talk to two of them who are those sponsors. Coming up next, John Becker and Nino Fatale will be joining me on AM 1420, The Answer.